Welcome to the Guardians of Grace podcast. Relax, you have found the right place. We're here to serve. Join us, holding to pure grace. Again, relax, join in with us. Listen on, be blessed. Defenders of Grace. Hello again, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Guardians of Grace podcast. My name's Bill, and I'm here with my good buddy, longtime buddy, Grace Guard Dog Steve. And we're glad that you're here, too. It's just not the same without all the Guardians of Grace, all the Guard Dogs. We love each and every one of you, and we hope that this ministry is setting you free from the, the chains of legalism in the human performance treadmill in that you're going down the path of the simplicity of just letting God do his thing through you. Just let God talk to your mother and your father and your wife and your boss and all the people around you that you come into contact with it every day. We hope that you're, you're doing an experiment and just saying, God, you talk to those people through me. We want all the guardians of grace to do that experiment. Amen. Yeah, I just echo that shout out to the Grace Guard Dog Pound. And uh, they're so important. And we've been getting very encouraging responses from some of you that aren't afraid to uh, put your comments in. Uh, I think we got more people joining Podbean. Yes. Correct? Yes, and we want more. We want you to go to Podbean, to Guardians of Grace, and click follow if you don't mind. That would be so important to us. You don't realize it, but it if we got 150 people to do that, the whole ministry would change. That one aspect, getting followers on the Podbean platform really makes big differences. If we, we see got 150 of you fellow guard dogs out there to just join Podbean and become a follower there, specifically at Podbean. Podbean.com, Guardians of Grace, join as a follower there, specifically there. And it would revolutionize the amount of people that we see getting a chance to hear Guardians of Grace. Yeah, we we were just looking at the stats, statistics earlier, and we found out, let's see, we got a Grace Guard Dog Pound in Sweden? Yeah. Norway? Yeah, Norway. Spain? Spain. Africa, Mexico, Canada? Yeah, a lot in Canada and a lot in Mexico. Those are our two biggest Guard Dog Pounds. And India. Yeah, but 
Mexico and in Canada, we give a shout out to you guys because we're grateful that there's such a large community there in those two countries. Yeah, it's awesome. Just like to say happy Martin Luther King Day. It's a holiday. Yes. Yeah. That, that would explain why I'm in here two days earlier instead of Wednesday. <laughs> Isn't that the truth? Yeah. It's all due to uh, honoring a, a very good man. He was a pastor. He was. He preached the gospel. And, and he, he had a dream. Of uniting people. That, yes. that is what the gospel is about. Mm-hmm. It is. Making all people into one man. Just like in Ephesians, it says there's no more Scythian, barbarian, slave or free, Jew or Gentile. That's what Martin Luther's dream was, that we would not look at people according to color, but according to the character of a person. And, uh, yeah, that's absolutely right, except it's in Colossians, I think, instead oh. of Ephesians. <laughs> Oops. It's in the Word of God, though. Yeah. Or should I say, oh. Oh. <laughs> and, but I was humbled myself. I went out. We had a plan. We said, let's do the podcast Monday instead of waiting till Wednesday because of the thing that happened last Thursday, which was totally Grace Guard Dog Steve's fault and not nothing to do with me. But did you say something else? <laughs> Is there something that you were saying? You put out the same podcast two weeks in a row with a different name. You couldn't help it. It's your eyesight just it's, it's, it's tough being blind. It's tough being blind. So we apologize if you downloaded last week's podcast podcast and found out it was the week before's podcast with a different name and we didn't actually get the podcast out till Friday so we were going to do next Thursday's podcast today and Bill changed the plan because I said well let me go do this job and then we'll do it Wednesday or maybe we'll do it tonight and I went out there and found out it was Martin Luther King Day, and you were not supposed to do any work in this community today, which I'm, I'm glad to honor that. God, God joked you. You were swallowed by a, a fish. You, 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 he, <laughs> you know. <laughs> not joked you. He, he knowed you. Jonah. Jonah. I got Jonah. You got Jonah. You got swallowed by the fish and brought right back here to the podcast. Which is amazing because at church, at the Cross Community Church I go to, awesome place, great people. We've been doing a series on Jonah, and I think we're in week two. <laughs> the first thing I notice is you ever hear a lot of people say, uh, God will never violate your free will. Yeah, he violated Jonah's big time. And he violated your free will big time this morning. He I got Jonah. He was not a gentleman to you at all. I drove 
10 miles west. Well, no, I drove. 10 miles east, 20 miles miles west, 20 miles miles back back. east to get here. And yet, here I am, and I couldn't be happier. Yeah. Because I'm, you know what? I'm where I'm supposed to be. Yes. Even though you didn't will to be here. Did not will to be here. Did not. God's will was the better will. Amen. My free will, if I had one, I would say was a little bit violated. You were violated, man. You were violated. My free will was... He was no gentleman. Thank God we don't have a a free will that God won't violate. Who would be here? None of us. None of us. Or a better way to say that would be where would we be in, in terms of living this victorious Christian life? I, I, I would have never gotten there by my free will choosing to be where I'm at now, living the, the Christian life. I, I know I tried to will it and become a righteous guy and have be righteous in the sight of all the people around me. And as hard as I gritted my teeth and as, with as much determination as I could muster, I still fell short. You're reminding me of a passage that I, I want to uh, actually bring us to because it really enlightens us to, to a, a fact that I think we need to understand. And I think the idea of these people saying, oh, and he wouldn't violate your free will because you have a free will, I think that notion completely throws a veil over the passage I want to show you. Okay. Sure. Yeah, yeah, let's... Okay, okay. So, look with me at Romans chapter 6. Maybe starting in verse 20. It says... For when you were slaves of sin, you were free in regard to righteousness. Wait a second. Did did you guys get that? Everybody that says, oh, you have a free will. This verse just said, you don't have a free will. You were slaves of sin and you were free, meaning you weren't acting righteousness righteous at all because what the fact of the matter is you were slaves of sin does that sound very free to you or does that sound like you're an instrument of sin or an automatron i'll use that word sounds like you were a slave to sin and free of or absent of any righteousness Absent of any righteousness, you were not doing. That's why Paul said, "In me dwells no good thing. The willing to do good is in me, but the doing of good is not." I'm absent of the ability to walk righteous, and this is a fact that we, as new covenant believers, have to come to an understanding of that we were. Slaves of sin. We are slaves of sin. The power of sin is the law. When the commandment came in, sin sprang to life and I died for the 
sin used the commandment to deceive me and through it to kill me, to make me feel like death warmed over. All these verses are not in any way, shape, or form giving you the idea that your will is free at all. It says you're slaves to futility. But let me go on and read this, this verse. It says, therefore, what benefit are you then deriving from the things which you are now ashamed of? You're ashamed of the time that you were enslaved to sin. That being enslaved to sin even though you, your will was not to sin, but it had overpowered you and you were slaves to sin, the outcome of that brought you shame. You were ashamed of what you were doing when you were slaves of sin. Now, it goes on to say, and here's the good news, but now, having been freed from sin and enslaved to God? What? Slaves of God? Is that what this verse, Romans 6.20, is telling me? Is that not right in front? Behave. Come on, Bible, behave. There's no free will. Why are you saying I'm enslaved to God. Why Why won't you just behave and do what all the pastors on TV tell you to do and just say there's a free will? Because right here in this passage, you're not saying there's a free will at all. You are saying that I am enslaved to God and I was freed. You, this passage did not say, but now having freed yourself from sin, it no, says... Didn't having been free. That's passive voice. You didn't do it. You did not free yourself from sin. Do you remember Jesus says, he who sins is a slave of sin. And if the son sets you free, you are free indeed. Well, it's the son of God in you who is setting you free from this sin that you're enslaved to. And the idea of free will just veils this whole concept. Sin, the sin guy, this personified sin master. Do you remember in Genesis where, where it said to, to Cain, sin is crouching down next to you, but you must master it. And Sin mastered Cain and he killed his brother and sin has been enslaving us from that day till we get to this point here where it says that you can be freed from sin by God and enslaved to God. That's why... Well, not only are you slaved, according to what you just read, you're also deceived about it. You think you're free. Jesus said, if I'm remembering right, he actually said anyone that commits a single sin is a slave to the sin. The sin. Yes, yes. 
That's why in, in ver verse 18 of Romans 6, it can say, having been freed from sin, you became slaves to righteousness. How would you like to be a slave to righteousness? Just be a slave to doing the right thing all day long. Lord, take my free will away. That sounds pretty good. I would love to be a slave of righteousness. And the other passage, verse 20, says you can be a slave of God. I would love to be a slave of God. Let me be an instrument of his. I'll automatron, any way you want to call it, I, I want that because then I would finally be righteous because I know through the Old Testament and all those commands that they could never make themselves free. I remember in Jeremiah 17, he says, I'm fixing to fashion calamity on you in, unless you repent. And they said, it's hopeless. We'll all follow the dictates of our own evil hearts. At least they knew that the heart is desperately wicked and deceitful, and they could not beat it. That's why Paul said, Oh, wretched man that I am, who will save me? Thanks Some say, God. set me free. Set me free. Set me free. Do you see how all these passages are telling us something about us and our human nature and how weak our human nature is? That there's a, a force, an adversarial force against our human nature and it enslaves us. But let me just read this passage again. But now, having been freed from sin. Somebody came in and delivered you, just like Paul said, who will rescue me? Who will set me free from this body of death? Having been freed from sin and enslaved to God, you derive your benefit, resulting in sanctification? How would you like to be walk a sanctified life all day long? Well, just become a slave of God and you will. You'll be sanctified and your wife will no longer be so aggravated at you that she just can't stand it. She'll act, you'll actually be able to get along because you'll be sanctified by the Holy Spirit. Let me read where this that thought starts, Steve. Okay. You started in 17, but if you go back to 14. Yes. He says, so Romans 6, 14. For sin shall not be master over you, for you are not under law, but under grace. What then shall we sin? Verse 15. Because we are not under the law, but under grace. God forbid. Don't you know that to whom you yield yourselves to, you are slaves of that person to obey? Verse 17. But thanks be to God that you used to be slaves to sin, but you obeyed from the heart that form of teaching which was delivered to you. And then it gets into your thought about being... No, finish the sentence. Having been freed, passive voice. <laughs> it does. 
having been freed, you are slaves to righteousness. Yes, he my said, memory serves me correct. He says, when you present yourselves to someone as slaves for obedience, you are either sin resulting in death or obedience resulting in righteousness. But thanks be to God that though you were slaves of sin, you became obedient from the heart to that form of teaching which you are now committed, having been freed, passive voice, you didn't free yourself, you did not free yourself, you became slaves of righteousness. That's why he's thanking God, because you became slaves of righteousness and wholeheartedly agreed with that form of teaching about needing a Savior every day to save you from the imprisoning power of sin and the embarrassing power of sin. Sin embarrasses you each and every day. That's why Paul could say, I don't do what I want to do. I will to do is the actual word. I do what I don't will to do. And I don't even understand why I'm doing it. But sin takes over and makes me do what I do not will to do. Romans 7, pretty much the whole chapter. 14 through 21 is verbatim. I don't do what I want to do. I do the thing I hate. Yeah. And and that's all will. I don't do what I will to do, and I do the very thing I don't will to do. And if it's me doing what I don't will to do, it's no longer me doing what I don't will to do, but it is sin dwelling in me, being my master and taking control over me and making me do the exact opposite of what I will to do. That's why... These passages are so adamant on telling you that your will is not as free as you want. Just read Romans 6, 7, and 8, and you'll understand there's no notion of free will at all. Quite the opposite. Just because you have a will doesn't mean it's free. No. And just because you have a will doesn't mean you have the ability. Ability, because that's the issue. The issue is ability. Well, let me ask you this, Steve. Why are we so deceived? Who deceived us into thinking we were free will agents? Satan himself. He does not want the people of the community of Christians understanding that he has them right where he wants them on a human performance treadmill where he can totally overpower them and make them slaves to him. What does 2 Timothy 2.24 say? You should be quiet and gentle in hopes that God would grant repentance and the person would come to a knowledge of the truth and back to his senses and escape the trap of the devil who has taken them captive to do the devil's will. Yes. To do the devil's will. Just read it for yourself in 1 
2 Timothy 2.24. Just read it for yourself. It says you're taking captive to do the devil's will. And he does not want people to realize that. He wants you to think, just give me the commandments. I can take them on. That's when you're the weakest. You've given sin its power. So if sin can convince you that, you can take on the the necessary obligations of living the Christian life in your own human strength, then he's got you because he's going to whip you every time. But if the sun sets you free, you are free indeed from his power and his control. He can no longer make you do what he wants you to do. And he's kept it from you. It's, it reminds me of 2 Corinthians 4 where it says, The God of this world has blinded the mind of unbelievers so they do not see the glory of God. See, all of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. The glory of God is in the person of Christ. And it says we have this treasure, what is it, hidden in these earthen vessels. That is Christ in us. And the God of this world does not want you to see that. That's why so many people say, I have a free will and God would not violate my free will. Well, where did that idea come from? Not the, the Bible. father of lies. The father of lies because it is a lie. Okay. Yep, Bill. That's why it says the God of this world has blinded the eyes of the unbelievers so that they can't see the the glory of the truth, which in verse 10 or ver, ver, verse 7 of 2 Corinthians 4, it says, we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the surpassing greatness of the power may be of God and not of ourselves. That's the truth of the matter, that it is Christ in us, the hope of glory, that does all the good. Apart from him, we can do nothing, and we should abide in him, and that is what the God of this world has blinded your eyes too. It says he has blinded their eyes to do blah, 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 blah. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels and it's none other than Jesus. You and I are the vessels that house Jesus and Jesus can do for you what you can't do for yourself. It's all about Jesus and the idea of free will blinds us to the importance of relying on Jesus because we're relying on some, something about our will. We're relying on our will to do better. What What is this thing that, it, it's just a lie. It's just a lie from left field, that this idea of our will and how we're supposed to depend on it and how God sovereignly gave us this and how he's a gentleman and he wouldn't violate it. All that, you can't find any of that in Scripture. It's not there. It's not there. Let me say that again. It's not there. It's not in the Bible. The idea of God being a gentleman, it says, who can resist God's will? 
No one can. It, in Romans 8, it says the creation itself was subject, subject to, to futility, futility, not of its own will, but of the will, will of no him one. who subjected it. Is that saying you have a free will or is that saying you don't have a free will that God subjected you to futility, not of your own will? You didn't will yourself to be subjected to futility. God just did it in hopes that you'd be set free from the chains of corruption, the chains of your own human determination which only brings about destruction and corruption and everything that you don't like about in hopes that you'd be liberated that from those change and joined be joined to what is known as the child of god which is the spirit that was in you placed in you when you were born of Again, that's why you're called children of God, because you were born from above by a spirit that gave birth to a spirit. And inside of you is the child of God. Do you know what it says in 1 John chapter 3? It says, the child of God, meaning the entity born in you, cannot sin, not even one single time. But the child born of Adam sins constantly. Matter of fact, in Romans 8, it says he can only sin. It says the mind of the human nature, the mind controlled by the human nature, and it is controlled there, the mind controlled by the human nature does not subject itself to the laws of God, nor, nor is, is it, it able to. The mind controlled by the human nature can't please God. Right. Can't please God because it can't do the commandments. That's the mind controlled by the human nature. Just look it up in Romans 8, 5, 6, 7, and 8. And you will see that when you look at it from the vantage point of the Greek language, you are being controlled by the mind of the flesh or the mind of the spirit. And the mind of the spirit puts to death the mind of the flesh and you reap Zoe life. The very same thing it was saying right here in Romans 6, that you were freed from sin and enslaved to God. This is what the scriptures are telling you. But do you see how big a veil the idea of, oh, you have a free will. Look at the, the, the vast size of that veil that gets spread out when you say there, there's, no, there, there's a free will. All the idea that the, the human nature cannot please God. All the, all the idea that Paul says in Romans 7, no good thing dwells in me that is in my human nature. The willing to do good is there, but the doing of good is not. I can't do what I will. 
in my own human strength. It's not strong enough to beat the sin guy. He masters me and causes me to embarrass myself over and over and over. And this is what the Bible is trying to tell you. And then people come up and say, but you have a free will. And you don't see what these scriptures are trying to tell you, but we're just pointing to scriptures, aren't we, Bill? Let me read one of those parables you were talking about, okay? Yes, sir. In Matthew 13, 44, it says, the kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field. Isn't that what 2 Corinthians 4 is saying? We have this treasure in jars of clay? Yes, exactly. Earthen vessels? Yes. A field? Mm-hmm. Which a man found and covered up. Then in his joy, he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. So he kept it a secret. And who's the one that bought the field? Jesus. Who's the field? Us. What was the price? He died for all of our sins. He paid the redemptive price and he now owns the field again. His perfect earthly life and death on the cross was the redemption price. We were the dwelling place that he made for himself. Yes, and to go back to 2 Corinthians 4, by hiding again this treasure in you, it can never again be lost or stolen from the enemy. The God of this world cannot ever touch this treasure that's been hidden in us. But what all the enemy can do is say, no, you've got a free will. Depend on your free will, not on this treasure that's in you that is so powerful. And I don't know a nicer way to say this, but it says the God of this world has blinded the mind of who? Unbelievers. The reason you don't see this hidden treasure, the reason you think you have a free will is very simple. You just don't believe it. You you just believe you have, and you don't believe that you're a slave to sin. If you don't believe you're a slave to sin, then you need to go back to human performance and learn that lesson all over again. Are you so foolish, having begun in the spirit, are you now trying to perfect your goal of being set free by letting a slave live the Christian life, a slave to sin live the Christian life. Because when you live the Christian life in your flesh, you are actually trying to be, to make a slave man get his freedom. Amen. Amen. That that is profound. You're trying, actually, you're trying to get free in your slavery. Yes, and you can. Right, And you're blind to the fact that you've already been set free. It's, it's like a, a story I heard once where they, they had this bird that was in captivity for years and years and years. And they decided to set him free. So they took him out in the field, opened the door. And you know what the, the bird did? He wouldn't leave. He just stayed. That was all he knew. And it wasn't until they said... A couple hours later, some birds came 
over, some free birds came over and made bird noises, whatever. I liken that to someone telling you the gospel. The only way you get free is when someone tells you the good news. You're free. No longer are you a slave to sin, but because you have believed this message I've told you, you are no longer a slave to sin, but you're a servant of Christ. I know, and it says you are an instrument of Christ. You are a vessel of Christ. But if you don't believe this, if you continue to believe that you're a free moral agent and that if you can just put enough effort to finally lick that sin problem that you so desperately want to lick, if you keep believing you can do that, you're blind. And if you're blind, you don't see the treasure you have. No, because this treasure is the most valuable thing. And the idea of, oh, you have a free will just veils the fact that you have such a powerful, powerful treasure dwelling in you. It says, but we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the surpassing greatness of the power may be of God and not of ourselves. When you think you've got free will, you think that the power comes from yourself. Doesn't it say clearly seen in some translations? I think it does. I think it does. Well, a blind person doesn't clearly see, does he? No, no. It's veiled. Right. It, it always goes, it goes on to say, verse 10, caring about in our body the dying of Jesus so the life of Jesus may be manifest in our body. Body. That is what the new covenant is about, the life of Christ manifesting itself through you. Then you are free from the human nature who's been subject to futility, not of its own will. That's in Romans 8. Look it up. The creation was subjected to futility, not of its own will. That's as blatant a statement as God hardened Pharaoh's heart. If it doesn't get any more blatant than that. Ten times. The creation was subjected to futility, not of its own will, but of the will of him who subjected it, which is God. Can you go back to that part where it says, always caring about us the death of Christ so that the life of Christ would be manifest? Yes, absolutely I can, Bill, because you basically quoted it verbatim. Always caring about in the body the dying of Jesus that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our body. Okay, so the death of Christ, not forgetting that. What shall we say? Shall we continue sinning that grace would increase? By no means we died 
how can we live in it any longer? Or do you not know that all of us were baptized into Christ, were baptized into his death, burial, which is the focus of the part that never forgetting the death of Christ? You're never forgetting to the death of Christ because we died with him. The penalty of sin is what the wages of sin is death and you died. You need to never forget that because when you forget it, then you start trying to live this life in the old self of us and the old man of us. But when you never forget that, you remember your own death burial in the body of Christ. That's what he says, right? In Romans six, never forget that. Mm -hmm. Or do you not know this? Right. And then when you know this, that happened for a purpose. We died, we were buried so that we can now having realized that we died with Christ and were buried with Christ, we can live this new life in the power of his resurrection life. But as long as you keep thinking that somehow you have a free will and you need to start exercising your free will to live the Christian life, you've forgotten all about the death, burial, the what the good part about it is the, the resurrection. Yes, the atonement and then the resurrection not to the same life. It's a new resurrected life, which is the life of Christ that sets you free. That's why you never forget. What does it say? Never forgetting, always caring about the death of Christ so that the what? The life of Christ can be manifest. Yes, because it was the death of Christ that was the prerequisite to us receiving the life of Christ. Without the death of Christ, we were not in a position to receive the life of Christ because we weren't cleansed yet. But he cleansed us through his death, burial, and resurrection so that his life could be in us to manifest himself through us to do for us what we can't do for ourselves, even though we will to do it for ourselves. We have always been willing to live an exemplary Christian life. It's the goal of every day that we wake up. We want to live an exemplary Christian life with all of our heart. We want to live the Christian life. The issue is that we can't because the sin which is empowered by the law is stronger than our own human determination and it wars against even the spirit and the spirit wars against the human nature so that we don't always do what we want, Galatians 5, 17. But the spirit battles against that human nature and causes it to become dormant and it's the only thing that can make the human nature dormant it is that spirit of god and when the spirit of god is manifesting itself through us then the human nature is dormant the human nature with 
its propensity to embarrass itself in sin. Propensity? No, it's it's literally its slavery to embarrassment and sin and doing what it doesn't want to do and not doing what it does will to do. The Romans 7 that everybody should read. And no one knew this. And nobody knew this. And the devil still wants the church to be oblivious of this. So it just throws out this blanket statement that you hear over and over again. Well, we have a free will. It just gets mentioned with such conviction and never, ever a scripture to back it up. It's just a thought that gets said. Just check it out for yourself. It's just a thought that gets said with a lot of conviction and never gets explained. And sometimes you hear, oh, the scriptures are replete with the idea of free will. And you never, ever, ever, ever hear one scripture mentioned. They never come up with a single scripture to support what they're saying. Your whole entire life, you've been hearing this idea of free will, and you've yet to hear somebody mention a scripture that tells you you have a free will. I don't care if you've been a Christian for 10 years, 30 years, or 60 years, you still haven't had a scripture pointed out to you that says you have a free will. You have to. You just have to, and I don't mean this flippantly, but you have to put that in your pipe and smoke it. You have to. You have to chew and contemplate the thought that I am saying right now. Don't dismiss it wrestle with it well how could you know if no no eye had seen no ear had heard nor had entered into the mind of anyone first corinthians 2 it had first to be, corinthians 1 right it had to be revealed to you it has to be revealed by the spirit and the adversary does not want you to understand how much control he has over you. Did you hear me say that? The adversary does not want you to understand how much control he has over you. The idea that you don't have a free will is not the good news. The The idea of you having a free will is what's blinding you to seeing what is the good news, Christ in you, the hope of glory. The hope of being set free. Because your hope of freedom, that's just it. If you keep hearing that you have a free will... You'll put confidence in your flesh. Yes, and if you hear that your will is not as free as you thought it was, then you'll be looking for the freedom and turning to Christ, the only one who can set you free. It's in Christ you have your freedom, and that is what the adversary does not want you getting a hold of. The adversary does not want you to turn to Christ 
to bear fruit. He wants you to try and bear fruit in your willpower, in your determination, in the capacity of your humanity, which he can control that. He can, he can, he wins, he wins. But if by the spirit you battle the adversary, then the spirit wins and you just have to give the spirit the glory that the spirit deserves. And Bill, will you close us in prayer by giving the spirit the glory that it deserves for setting us free? Thank you, Father God. Since it is Martin Luther King Day, I'm just repeating his words. Free at last, free at last, free at last. Thank God Almighty. We are free at last. That is our prayer, Father God. Set us free from this bondage of decay, from this deception that we get, that we are free moral agents, so to speak, free will agents. And if we just apply ourselves hard enough and long enough and with enough diligence and accountability from others, we can get free. Thank you. We made it as clear as two human beings can possibly explain. And our prayer is that we see, not that we see that we're slaves to sin, but that we see that you came to set us free from our slavery to sin. And it's in Jesus' name, because you did it all, Jesus. Amen. Amen. We love you guys. Thank you. We love you guys. Good night. Good night.